Hello and welcome to Connecting to Host, where today we're discussing Trine, the Enhanced Edition. Uh, Trine is a game where three heroes make their way through dangers untold in a fairy tale world of great castles, strange machinery, featuring physics-based puzzles, beautiful sights, and online co-op. Uh, that's the blurb from Steam. I mean, it's it's a platformer. It's a basic platformer. Um, it's available for £10 or €13 Euros on Steam. Uh, it's also available as a pack, which includes Trine 1, 2, and 3 for £30 or €40. Euros. Uh, it's available on both Windows and Mac with cross-play support uh, and has support for Steam Cloud, Steam Workshop, Achievements, and full controller support. Uh, we're going to be discussing the Enhanced Edition today, uh, which has a few differences to the original version, such as it was uh, built using a more modern game engine um, and has online co-op. Um, so, first of all, what we're playing on. Uh, I'm playing on my 5K Retina iMac uh, using an Xbox 360 controller. What were you using, John? I was playing on my Beta Gaming PC at 1440p and I was using my Xbox One controller. Very nice. Um, so I'll talk briefly about the single player. Um, essentially, the game is the same whether you play single player or co-op. Obviously, on Connected to Host, we talk purely from a co-op perspective. Um, but essentially, the single player has no differences. It's the same game. You just play on your own and you can switch between the characters uh, just as you can in the co-op. Uh, Multiplayer-wise, um, in the enhanced edition that we're playing, you can play online or local co-op. Um, original version, you could only play local co-op. Uh, with up to three players. Obviously, we were just playing it, the two of us. Uh, the online co-op is exclusive to this edition. Um, yeah, so, John, do you want to cover off, I guess, the, the setting, the general feel of the game? Yeah, so I guess I'll just give a, a brief overview. I mean, the game itself is a side-scrolling platformer. I guess, think, it's obviously a very different theme, but think Little Big Planet in terms of what you're doing, jumping around, solving physics puzzles. The world is really... It's got a very nice visual theme running through it, and it's slightly steampunk fantasy, I guess. I mean, there's lots of castles, lots of luscious greens and blues and dark caves with spiders. Uh, uh, but there's also a lot of kind of machinery going on so that you have lots of things to jump over and push around, obviously. I mean, <laughs> you need it's the physics to come from something. Yeah, of course. Massive six-foot-tall levers, because that's obviously how big you would make them in real life. With a skull on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it now, on reflection, the levers are ridiculous. It's <laughs> only one one texture for the lever, and it is a six-foot tool with a skull on top. It, like, you literally, character pushes it over with big arms. Uh, and you, you have to use the physics system a little bit to push it, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, but they, the theme itself is that there are three heroes, and they are bound together by the trine which is this magical device, which is, I guess it's kind of sort these heroes out to rid the land of evil. And your job is to save the kingdom from an evil wizard, uh, essentially by going through various locations, finding the wizard and uh, beating him. Uh, the story is delivered through uh, narration, primarily, over the top of either the gameplay or some kind of comic booky, I mean, nice images that, you know, fantasy What's the word? Like uh, storybook images that come up between missions and then they're speaking over the top uh, and that delivers a story. I mean, it's a, it's not the sort of story you're going to get massively invested in, but it's nice. It's a very nice way of wrapping up the package. You know, it definitely adds to the fantasy feel, even if it's not that thick, you know. But. No, you're not, you don't really care about the story as you go through, but it's, it's nice that there is something there dragging it all together. Yeah, precisely. Um, so, 
I mean, you uh, unique mechanics and core mechanics-wise, um, there are a few different things in this game. I, I think the most unique thing, I mean, it's fairly standard platform affair, um, but one of the core things that they do have is that there are three heroes, and you will end up playing as all three during a game. Um, now, when you've got two players, uh, the way that this works is that you will spawn as one of them. Uh, there's a thief, a wizard, and a warrior. Uh, one of you can only be one of those at a time, so you can't play as two thieves, for example. There's only one thief um, and one wizard and one warrior. Uh, but when you press the uh, left and right bumpers on the controllers, you can switch between the different characters. So if John is playing as the wizard, for example, uh, I'm the thief. If I press the bumper button, I'll switch to the warrior. and press it again, I'll switch back to the thief. Whereas if I switch to the warrior, then he can alternate between thief and wizard. So it's quite a nice way of being able to jump between the different characters. Um, and I believe there's some sort of uh, stacking system whereby if we both want to be, if one of them dies, so you only have the wizard and warrior, for example, um, if you want to switch, switch places, if you both press the button around the same time, you'll switch, mm. uh, which is quite nice. You're not stuck as the one you don't want to play with, for example, <laughs> <clears throat> which can happen in some games like this. Um, so it's nice. I mean, it, it works well. Um, in terms of the actual types uh, and what they do differently, um, the Thief uh, basically can do combat with bow and arrow, so you've got a bit of range. Um, and their best feature is that they have a grappling hook where they can just swing around the ceiling and fly all over the place. Uh, once you get a bit of skill with it, you can traverse really well, actually. It's a, it's a nice system. But the problem is that you can only uh, use the grappling hook on wood. Um, and a lot of the textures, it's hard to tell whether there is wood above you or stone or grass, whatever it might be. So quite often you'll be swinging around the place like Tarzan and then suddenly you, you won't anymore because it's like, oh, that, that bit's stone, you can't use that. Very much like um, the struggle I find playing Portal in distinguishing in later mm. levels the difference between what walls the gun will work on and which ones they won't. Um, so that's something to watch out for. Uh, the wizard is probably the coolest one because you use basic gestures with the control pad to draw things like a box. will generate a physical box in the air that you can then move around. Um, or there's a triangle, which has like a little triangle platform that the, uh, the thief can use her um, grappling hook on. You can move that around. It just floats in the air. Uh, and you can also build flat ramps and ledges to position them to get to different places. Uh, but they don't have very good combat. Um, in fact, they have no combat at all. You just have to build boxes and drop them on things' heads. Uh, the warrior uh, is very, very different in that it is pretty much combat only. Um, you have a shield and you have a big hammer or you have a sword uh, and you can just smack stuff up and move a bit slower and not jump as well. Um, they don't really have anything more powerful than that, do they? Well, they have the hammer, I guess, so they can, oh, they yeah. can switch to a massive hammer, which can have an, an area of effect and also break through certain walls. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. You can go through walls with it. But essentially, each one has their own different skills, and you will need to use all three of them in order to get through a level. There will be certain puzzles that will require the skills of each of them in order to do it, um, although you will have to get all three through the level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably really interesting when there's three players because we found sometimes with two we ended up just switching because <laughs> a certain part, not too often, but a certain part was really well adapted to the thief maybe because there was a lot of wood around. So to get both of our characters through, like both of our players through, we would um, just take it in terms of the thief. But I guess the important thing is when you switch, you actually switch directly in place 
it's not like the third car is sitting back at the start. You actually push the button, and immediately where you are standing, you become the other character. So, yeah, that's true. And I think when you play online, at least you can you can actually there is an option so that you can all play the same one if you want to. Uh, I think it would probably make it a bit easier, which is would be a shame. But there is an option if you think you know what we both really like the thief. Um, mm. We'll just tick, tick this box, and you can both play as a thief running through the levels. So. I mean, we pretty much, when we played through, fell into the role of I was primarily thief, and you were primarily wizard, mm. um, which was good because then I got really good at using the grappling hook and <laughs> zipping around the place, and you got very good at drawing the boxes and stuff that were needed to solve most of the puzzles. Although, ironically, when we got to the final, <laughs> the final mission, which is requires careful timing and jumping uh we were playing as opposite characters and yes. john had no idea how to use the grappling hook <laughs> flailing all over the place i was trying to draw boxes completely failing <laughs> you do tend to use one character more than the others i would say mm. then we'd normally just switch to the warrior whenever anything needed killing <laughs> yeah whoever was close to bad guys switch to the warrior and start mashing the attack button <laughs> it's nice that it makes you think on your feet doesn't it and i guess that that leads into the nice blend in the game between the physics puzzles and the combat. So there are quite a few areas where it starts off pretty simple. There might be a ledge that's too high to jump up, and the thief can just hook into the ceiling and pull themselves up. But the wizard can also fabricate one of these boxes, jump on top of the box, then jump a bit higher. But as you get through the game, obviously the puzzles get progressively more difficult until you start having to... So the wizard starts off with just being able to build a cube Later on, they can build a, a platform, I guess, like a long piece of this kind of mechanical you know, fabricated material. And then right near the end of the game, you get the ability to make a floating platform, but it does sort of slightly fall down and you jump on it. So you do get more of these powers. And, and as you have more powers, the puzzles obviously get harder to go with them. <laughs> so by the end of the game, you have to maybe make it over something which is far too tall just to use the boxes for but you can actually put a couple of boxes in a certain place. Then you can jump on top of the boxes, switch to the thief, hook into the ceiling, switch back to the warrior, who then might push a really heavy rock, which has a ledge dangling from the bottom of it. And as you push the rock along, the ledge moves with it, and then you can jump back down to the ledge. Because it has momentum from the physics system, you can just kind of sit on this ledge, which is being dragged along by the, the rolling rock that the warrior pushed. So... Most puzzles have multiple ways of completing it, which is cool. Um, and I think you fall into certain strategies that you try first. Mm. Like you would just jump up and start using the grappling hook for everything. And I'd be thinking, huh, where can I place a box? Or uh, the other thing the wizard can do is use their telekinesis power on a lot of the items just in the level. So there might be something which is kind of like a, like a, what's that? There's like a log uh, battering ram, didn't they? Mm. That's one where it's like a hanging log kind of like the things that ewoks use to destroy the empire's 8080s yes sorry atst i get that wrong jesus minus one cool <laughs> for you <laughs> oh. oh i brought up ewoks and i got the atst wrong <laughs> see myself out <laughs> uh, but yes so you can pull the log back and then let go and watch it swing into the wall and then it destroys the wall so yeah overall it was a if you were careful with the thief, you could hook to the bottom of it and to swing back and forth on your rope and get enough momentum to sort of do it, which was 
how I thought we were supposed to solve the puzzle, and then Tron just comes on and uses telekinesis power to just pick it up and drop it back in. So you were you were jumping around like a gerbil on steroids in that game. You were <laughs> jump hooking onto the wall and the ceiling, the floor, just like boom, boom. I did feel pretty badass, just flying around the levels with the hook. But then, as I say, when you run out of wood, it, it, it's bad. Bad things happen. <laughs> I died a lot. <laughs> but the uh, the combat itself is, I guess, it's fairly run of the mill. I mean. You're, when you're the warrior, you have the shield so you can defend, and then you you sort of mash the button to attack. It's nice that the thief can stand back and shoot things from afar, and the yeah. wizard can kind of use their their physical objects as to damage them. They have to just slam them down on their head, but it's really unwieldy. But it's nice that all the character classes have a way of defending themselves, even if you generally want to be the warrior in combat. And then I I think throughout the game there were. I don't know, two or three different types, which turned up maybe a couple of times of kind of, I don't want to say bosses, that almost takes it too far, but bigger monsters that required you to treat them like a puzzle a little bit. You have to hit them in a certain place or do something specific to damage them. So, uh, they were bigger monsters and they had a health bar, whereas mm. the monsters don't have health bars. So you knew that it was going to be a bit of a tougher fight, but still pretty easy, really. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, the game isn't about combat. It's in the same no. way that platformers have a little bit of action going on. It's that kind of level. And it, you know, it was fun. It mixed it up a little bit. And it sometimes you had to be really quick and switch to the warrior because you were being swamped by skeletons and you didn't want to lose your wizard. So it was nice, but don't buy it for a fighting game. <laughs> no. no. Um, I guess the other side to it is experience and how that works uh, and the items. Um, so on every level, there are 50 bottles to find. Um, and when you find them all, you get an achievement if you find them all on the level. Um, and every 50 you find, you level up. Um, and that gives you skill points, which you can then invest in any of your uh, three characters. Um, now, this is separate for each player. Um, but you will get an. So if you get a skill point, you get one for each character. Uh, if that makes sense. Mm. So you can level up the wizard, the thief, and the warrior all with one skill point each. <clears throat> now to me it seemed a little bit odd, this whole part, because the skill tree, you don't really choose where stuff goes because if you've got two skill points for the thief, for example, then the only thing you can upgrade when you start is her bow. So you upgrade it and you upgrade it, and then it's fully upgraded. And then the next thing you can upgrade is, oh, she's got fire arrows, and you upgrade those. And it's like, well, why don't you just automatically just make these things better as I progress through the game? Because it's not like you've got a branching tree. When we first played it, I thought it was going to be a case of, oh, um, I can choose whether I upgrade the thief and give her extra abilities or upgrade the wizard. Um, mm. So it might be more the case that I'd upgrade the thief to a high level and John would upgrade the wizard to a high level so that when we get to puzzles which require those attributes, um, each of us would do it differently. Um, but that's not the case. You basically end up with the exact same characters all across. So it's a bit of a pointless addition, in, in my opinion. I'm sure um, we'll um, talk about the sequel in a future show, but they, they at least have more choice and more branching skills, which is nice. But mm. The other thing uh, is items. Um, so sometimes you'll find chests that you open uh, and you'll get like this random item will pop up, like a bracer or uh, you got the heart stone of healing or something like that. Uh, and then I think it's about halfway through the game we discovered where these were going. Uh, and you can actually assign them to your different characters. Uh, and again, this is separate per player. So what John does with the items that he does is different to how I do it with mine. But we both unlock it at the exact 
the same time, which is nice. Um, but you basically just choose which of the three types you want to assign it to. So if I've got a bracer that might reduce damage from arrows by 5%, I can choose whether I want the thief to wear it, the wizard or the warrior. And each one has nine slots. Um, again, it's, um, it's incredibly basic inventory management. It's you know, this is not Torchlight, this is not <laughs> D&D, this is very, very basic. Um, you've got nine boxes, and you can stick them in any of them. Uh, yeah, so it, it, was, it works. It's a nice little addition, but again, probably something that didn't need to be there. It didn't really feel like it added much. I think I, I think I quite liked it. It was just a little a little flourish on top, and, you know, I quite enjoyed it, just sort of thinking, oh... My wizard can now make an extra box, but I could have given that power to the warrior and he might have done more damage. So you had to be a little bit sort of selective where they went. But yeah, I mean, it was There were a couple items that were more powerful like that. As mm-hmm. you say, you could choose whether you got an extra box as the wizard or an extra arrow as the thief or something, which is useful. But then when it's like, oh, you stop one character from doing 5% of damage or something. It's like, yeah. <laughs> eh. Kind of token. They're so small. Yeah, kind of like the thing, like in Borderlands, they can get away with that because you have hundreds of those different buffs that you're assigning. Mm. And so those little 1% boosts add up. But in this, they they don't. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it for really the core mechanics. I mean, it really is very straightforward. It's a simple side-scrolling platformer uh, with some cool physics-based puzzles. Um, Is there any co-op specifics we should talk about? No, I mean, I guess it's just worth mentioning that we had no problems. I mean, it was it was very easy to set up a game. I put a password on the game, and then a few seconds later, you found it and joined. I mean, it was... I, I liked the fact I didn't have to set up a random account like you did with Torchlight. There's no complicated, like, server browser and setup. It was just click, password, join, done. And we were playing. And we never had any problems, did we? I mean, we had no, no, any, no lag problems or anything, no... Like nothing networking based that seemed to be an issue, so nah, it was good. And that's with Steam Play. Obviously, I'm on a Mac and you're on a PC, so mm. even with that bridge, I mean, that always used to be a, a pain, but now with Steam Play, it solves itself really. Yeah, no problems so, at all. It's perfect. Awesome. Right, we'll just move on to likes and dislikes, I guess. Then, so uh, you can kick it off. Cool. You like. I mean, the first one is is obvious, really, from the screenshots, but. It's a, it's a gorgeous game. I mean, it's just a really nice visual style. Sure, it's not kind of, you know, hasn't got a hundred artists of dice or anything behind it making everything perfect, but it looks really nice. And I don't know how such a small team have made something so good looking. And this game is like six years old now, the, the original, and it still looks really good. Uh, and yeah, it's just a really nice looking game. Runs really smoothly at the full 1440p on my monitor, and it just... Yeah, really, really colourful. I really like the the style they've gone for. You know, everything is lush green and bright blue skies, and it looks like it's out of a a book. You know, like a storybook. Like looking at these lush pictures, really like it. And there's even a few nice uh, light puzzles whereby it's dark, and uh, with the fire arrows of the thief, uh, you can shoot these little tiny torches, and then it lights up the room, and then you can actually see traps and things that you wouldn't have if you hadn't done that. And mm. like there was a wasn't there like a ball you picked up at some point that like had a bit of light that cast out of it in order to get to a secret or something? Yeah, there are a few little little rocks that had a blue glow around them, and it was nice to move them around the level so you could see some extra things or see where there was a hot, like a little experience jug hiding so you could pick it up. So yeah, 
I'd also add to that that um, the music was very good as well. Like, um, I mean, you know, they've probably got one guy that's done all the music for the game, but it sounded good, fit in really well with the whole theme of the thing. It wasn't like annoying, repetitive music. It was you know, pretty good background music. Mm. No, it was, yeah, very nicely finished. I'd say the thing that I like most of all about the game is that it's just a really nice balance of puzzles, fighting, and collectibles. Uh, like, it felt uh, you probably could rush through it and just get to the end of the game and run through, kind of like playing Sonic the Hedgehog, where you can just go from left-hand side to right-hand side as quickly as possible. But if you slow down and collect all the different bits and pieces, it's a lot more enjoyable. And I think we probably had the most fun trying to get the, you know, we wanted to get all 50 jugs on each level. And so when we knew that we were close to doing that, and there was one we could see just out of reach, (laughs) we'd spend like five minutes looking at it, trying to work out how to get up there and get it. Um, And that was a lot of fun. Um, We had a lot of fun with like the teamwork puzzles. Uh, My only criticism might be that there's probably not enough of those. Like the Mm. puzzles are fairly basic, but on the whole, it's a solid game. It's a good platformer, good balance of puzzles and fighting and collecting stuff. Yeah, my my last like, I guess, is reasonably similar. But we we had a lot of fun together. It was it didn't feel boring at all at any point, which is good fun. Like you say, it wasn't necessarily particularly challenging. Maybe that's because we played it in co-op. Um, mm. But the interaction was fun. You know, when we worked together to solve puzzles, it was satisfying. And sometimes you would mess each other up, not too much, yeah. but enough for it to be funny. You're like, ha you jumped on my box while I was carrying it, and that meant it didn't work properly. Or you knocked over the wall that I was going to jump on. <laughs> it's kind of kind of funny, you know, not not frustrating, but it was. Yeah. It was. You were clearly in the same world together, which was nice, but you didn't get in your way of each other too much either. So they, as a co-op game, it worked well. You got to enjoy yeah. the whole game together. It wasn't a cut-down version or something. It was just the full game in co-op, which I really like. I should also probably point out that if you disappear from each other, <clears throat> you're not limited to the same screen space. Mm. Uh, so if I go, you know, screen left, I always see where my character is. My character is always in the middle of the screen, regardless of where John is. But if you get too far apart, it has like a little countdown. It has an arrow showing where the other player is. And then I have like a little countdown from five. And then when it gets to the bottom, you just automatically teleport next to them, uh, which is nice. You know, it's a nice little feature but there's no split screening or anything like that i imagine there would be if you were playing local co-op i guess uh but with the online you know you can you can move away from one screen Mm. uh, which is good because otherwise it would be incredibly difficult i think if you were sharing because some platformers do that that you are stuck to the you know yeah screen all the time and the camera might pan out or zoom out a little bit but you're still confined to one screen yeah yeah, you're right. It's so, nice to have the freedom of just, especially when you were going to go up and jump through some rafters and find some secret that I just would take me longer to get to because I didn't have that character. It was nice that you could just go off and do it, and I'll sit and wait for the the experience. Something I wouldn't have thought to mention because you know that's how games should be, but so many don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably worth mentioning that it's uh, it works really well in co-op. <laughs> Um, In terms of dislikes, then, um, I had some issues with the controller support, um, which I'm 100% sure is due to me being on a Mac. Um, The most annoying thing was that there's a power-up for the Warrior where you can raise the shield and it does some sort of levitating something or other. Um, (laughs) The problem was that it said uh, you move the right stick and press the left stick in to activate it, and it showed the little picture to show how to do it. Didn't work on mine, did work on John's on his PC. Mm. Um, but the real issue was that not only could I not do it, so I could never do anything that required that, but anytime any one of us 
played as the uh, warrior, it would show that tooltip on the top and you couldn't dismiss it. The only way to dismiss it is to do it because it's trying to teach you, oh, you've unlocked a new skill. This is how you use it. Uh, but I couldn't use it, so it would just constantly tell me and that would sometimes hide parts of the level so I couldn't <laughs> see what I was doing. So we'd have to switch out of the warrior to carry on. Uh, pretty sure that's a Mac issue. Yeah, I had no see issues if you're at all. Playing, yeah, my, if you're playing Windows. controller and mouse, it'd be fine. Um, but, eh. <laughs> Yeah, no issues at all on my, my Windows machine. Everything worked on the controller. So, um, But yeah, one thing, maybe it wasn't too big a dislike, but one of the things that was slightly frustrating a couple of times was that there were parts when the physics were a little bit janky. Um, I'm not sure if this was because we were playing uh, across the network, so maybe there was something where it had to catch up. There are one or two bits where something jumped a little bit too fast, and there were a couple of bits where I wanted to... So there was a, a bit where there was a kind of in the background, a large pole, and then at one end hanging off in the foreground was a ledge that you could sort of hang from a rope, was a ledge you could stand on. And at the other end was a big rock, and my wizard could use that rock to move it around. So it moved the, the back end around like a clock, and then obviously the end you could interact with would move around as well. And that was a nice idea, but every time I held onto it, and pushed in what I thought was the direction I wanted to go, i.e. if it was at nine o'clock and I pushed up, I would expect to go clockwise. And it would sometimes not move at all and sometimes move the other way. And I'm just getting quite frustrated because <laughs> I, yeah. I know what I want to do, but I can't make my character do it. So, um, I mean, it was, again, it was a minor dislike because 95% of the time it was all, we didn't even notice anything wrong with the physics. But once or twice, we were playing, I was like, ah, oh, this is frustrating because now I, I'm struggling with the puzzle because I can't do the thing I want to do, but I should be able to do it. So. I think the only other thing that I've got dislikes I already mentioned, which is that the skill tree seemed pointless because you only ever had enough points to unlock the stuff that was available to unlock. So it kind of felt like why don't you just unlock automatically? Like, There's no need to have this illusion of choice. Like, oh, you've got three skill points to spend. What are you going to spend them on? How about this one skill that you've got available that costs <laughs> three points? Um, there were certain times when you could choose between two things just because you might have two skill points and then there's something that costs one and something that costs another one. Um, but you knew that in you know 30 seconds' time when you got another skill point, you could unlock both anyway. Mm. So it, it seemed kind of pointless. I get why it's there because it, you know, it's a nice feature to add, but it could have been done better, I think. Illusion of choice. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I've got a couple comments about the game, just in general, neither likes nor dislikes. Um, first of all, I'd say about the price uh, that I think it's a bargain at ten pounds. I mean, we got it on a sale, I think. In fact, no, I got it as part of the humble bundle. Ah, so I yeah. Think I got it for like a dollar or something with like ten <laughs> other games. So that <laughs> made it a real bargain. Um, but I think ten pounds for the game as it is is a good price. Um, I think being able to pay thirty pounds for the three games um, on the basis that Trine Two is probably better. Uh, Trine Three has mixed reviews because it's not a platformer as such; it's three D. Um, so a bit more mixed there we've not tried it yet uh, but even so 30 pounds for the three games seems a, a good deal to me um, and that's before you have a steam sale where you're mm. probably going to get at least 25 percent off these ones because they're quite old now uh so yeah i thought it's a, a great price um yeah with regards to the price i've seen these games have been on sales dozens of times every time there's a steam sale because i mean maybe not the third one but 
because this game is quite old now. I mean, I think I've seen it as low as 80% off. So, I mean, yes, it is definitely worth it if you are keen for a platformer to play with your friends. But if you've got a bit of patience or it's coming up to the, you know, there's always a period where you know the summer sale or the Christmas sales around the corner, then I'd, I'd probably just hold off because you'll probably be able to find it for two pounds or something. Because I think I got try and won it about two or three pounds. And that was three years ago. Um, and then I got try and two for not too much more and then I bought Trine 3 when it was on sale recently at 50% off I think so uh, not that they're not worth the full price but given the frequency that they're on sale unless you're desperate to play it and you're looking for something new to play I, I'd probably just wait a bit um, but and that I guess that ties into a little bit the sort of value I guess is, is tied into the length and it took us four hours I think to, to play through the yeah. game in co-op now I think that would be double if you were playing on your own because it was a lot easier to blast through some of the puzzles when you've got two of you. I mean, A, because you're both thinking about it, so it's easier to solve it. But also because you can... If, if the thief can get past it and then find the next checkpoint, then if they go a bit further ahead, you'll, you'll catch up with them eventually anyway. <laughs> but then uh, also in terms of the collectibles, mm. uh, quite often you would scout out the lower levels of the the platforms uh, and i would shoot up to the higher pints so we could split up to effectively get you know all 50 of the collectible things in half the time because we'd cover different areas of the game yeah uh, whereas if you're single player you're obviously going to have to go up and down up and down all the time so it'll probably take even longer than two times um to get everything uh, whereas we were just sort of bouncing along doing our own thing yeah so i played and meeting up again to do a puzzle I'd played through the first third or so of the game before we played it, and that, that took me two or three hours, and I was definitely less than halfway through. Um, and that was trying to find most of the collectibles. Sometimes you see one, you go, ah, I'll do it later. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think you'll be looking at eight hours on your own. And to be fair, I mean, you could probably... We did it pretty quick. I think I could yeah. easily see it being five if you were trying to find every collectible. There were, there were the odd one that we thought, ah. <laughs> we'll, we won't worry about that one. It's too hard. Or, um, but yes. It's probably important to note that there's no difficulty scaling. So not only was it easier for us because there were two of us, but also like the combat wasn't harder because there were two of us. The puzzles aren't different because there's two of us. It's exactly the same as the single-player mode, so it's obviously going to be quicker. Mm. And the boss fights, for instance, were much easier. Much easier for two of us. <laughs> I imagine some of those would be pretty tough if you're on your own. But when there's two of you, one guy can stand there with a shield and the other one can just hit him from behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the storyline, I didn't pay attention to it at all. Now, that's usually <laughs> because I don't when we play co op games because we're chatting amongst ourselves. Uh, and also, I knew that the story was going to be, you know fairly mediocre i didn't really need to listen to it like you know it you, you don't when you're playing sonic the hedgehog listen to the story well most of them didn't have story but uh, you know you, you're just going from point a to point b and pick up the stuff in between you don't need a story uh so i didn't pay any attention to it at all quite often there was like voiceover and stuff going on but i turned it right down because i was trying <laughs> to listen to you so <laughs> that's that's my own ignorance showing through uh which is why it's not a dislike but uh <laughs> yeah no, so the story's there. I mean, if you're playing it on your own, you'd probably pay more attention to it. Um, but I didn't. I have no idea what's going on. I still don't know what the <laughs> trine is. <laughs> it's a magical thingy with you know three because try. 
Yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, the only other comment I've got really is that uh, the wizard did a lot of things on the screen which involved positioning items and creating items by drawing gestures with the stick. And I guess it's basically a virtual mouse in that sense. I mean, the other two characters didn't have this this quirk, but the wizard, it felt like a virtual mouse. And it worked perfectly fine. But I mean, you know, obviously a mouse would have probably been better, but then not for the platforming elements. So, um, yeah. so there, there were a couple of times, I guess, when it was slightly... Slightly frustrating because you're trying to draw a triangle to make a specific item and it ended up being a box because it was a joystick. But, you know, it wasn't enough for me to call it a dislike. It's just just a, a comment worth making, I think. Funny enough, when you said mouse, um, it made me think that there are certain parts of the interface that you can't use with the controller. So, like, when I was trying to connect mm-hmm. to a game, for example, uh, even though I had a controller and that worked for all the menus it didn't work when I got to that page and I had to use a mouse. And I think you were saying when you were doing that like inventory management, it didn't work for you or something? No, and it did in the first time we played it, because we played it in two sessions, and the first time it worked fine, and the second time it didn't. And I think it might be uh, because I alt-tabbed a couple of times when it was loaded. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't do any of the menu stuff with my joypad in the second run, but I, I could still play the game with it. So that was just a uh, weird quirk. But I've got so many things plugged into my, my PC, like a graphics tablet and a little gaming keyboard thing. I I don't usually blame the game for it, this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably a very good rule of thumb. Uh, I was playing The Flame in the Flood a little while ago, uh, and I couldn't work out why it was just flickering violently <laughs> between keyboard and controller mode. Like, literally, you'd walk over to, like, a fire... Uh, and it would have a left-click icon, and then it would change to an A of an Xbox 360 <laughs> icon, and just flap between them for like five times a second. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And then I realized it's because I had my joystick plugged in. And as soon as ah. I unplugged the joystick, it all worked fine with the controller or the keyboard, whichever I wanted to play with. But when it was plugged in, it was just like, nope, you're not using a controller. <laughs> okay. So it's always a good rule of thumb to watch what peripherals you have plugged in, especially on a Mac. <laughs> so I guess a final review, uh, would we play it again? I know I certainly would. Yeah, I mean, if I play, I'll play it one more time maybe to get all the collectibles. I mean, I'm not saying that I will play it again because there's so many things I want to play, but I would yeah. happily play it again if... If you said, I really want to play this again, John, let's do it tomorrow all day, I'd be like, yeah, maybe not tomorrow. I guess for me, it's more a case of I want to play more of this, Yeah, which means we will play Trine 2. Precisely, yeah. I guess that's the best way of putting it. I'd play Trine 2 again. Uh, I'm sorry, I'd play Trine 2 first before I played this again. Um, But I think, you know, it's it's a good, solid game. Yeah. I'd play again. And would we recommend it? Definitely. I, I would wholeheartedly recommend it if you like any fun platformer. It's not too difficult. You know, there's some puzzles, but it's fun. If you like Little Big Planet or things like that, you'd, you'd love this game. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I think if you're looking for a good co-op game to play with up to three people, uh, this is definitely a good platformer to choose. So I'd definitely recommend it i think the price point is spot on as well um so that's everything for this episode thank you very much for listening uh you can check us out on our website at connecting to host.co.uk where you can find all our other episodes um we're on twitter uh, at cthcast. Uh, you can always suggest games to us there that you think we might like to play if you want to hear a review of those uh, and please do leave us a review on itunes if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other ones thanks very much for listening <laughs>